You're listening to Family Personalities, a podcast where we use personality type to help change the way you think about your family. I'm Sandra Etherington, your personality type practitioner. And I'm Em Levy, personality type enthusiast. Join us while we talk about family, relationships, and parenting, all within the context of personality type. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. We're back. We're back. So today's topic is how do you prefer to make decisions, which is the thinking versus feeling preference pair in Myers-Briggs. So we're going to talk about how to determine whether you prefer thinking or feeling in Myers-Briggs. And then we're going to, oh, and this is helpful to understand how to navigate disagreements with parenting, with your parenting partner, with your kids. Um, you know, really with anyone in your life, but we're going to focus on <laughs> with um, with your parenting partner. But before we get into that, what's new with your life? It's been a couple months since we recorded. What's been happening? I mean, good, but we're still holding on to summer. I am not, I'm not ready to lo- relinquish it yet. I feel like we just, just started enjoying it. I mean, you know, I was really worried about maybe our episodes where we talked about COVID. I'm like, are those going to hold up or age well? And you know, the answer is yes. Uh, (laughs) You could have listened to those for six months and still I'm hopefully related to the content. You know, I mean, gosh, it's been a, it's been a journey. You know, I feel like a lot of people, everything feels so uh, extreme. I I either have these moments where I say, oh, I, I, I will treasure these moments, these quiet, simple days, like with my family for the rest of my life. And then like 30 seconds later, be like, I'm going to, I'm going to burn this house down. I, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> like I, I'm running off to, I don't know, New Zealand and I, I can't, I just cannot, <laughs> you know, but how are you? It's been good. I mean, we, it's been a lot better than the spring. I think the warm weather has helped. We've been getting outdoors a lot. We've been doing a lot of camping. Mm -hmm. and just had a lot of like fun, exciting things to look forward to, which I felt like in the spring, there was nothing to look forward to. And that made it kind of hard. And we actually did a big uh, trip because we, um, Eric's daughter lives in a different state from us. And normally she would fly to come see us during the summer. And Eric flies there periodically throughout the year too. And we haven't been able to see her since this all started. Yeah. And so we were like, how can we see her without using planes? And so we did this big road camping trip with the kids because we figured that's the safest way to travel would be to, you know, road trip and then stay camping because it's less likely to be exposed to germs when you're outdoors. Um, And so it was, it was, it was a lot of driving. I think we did um, overall maybe 45 hours of driving. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it went pretty well, honestly. I mean, there were moments for sure that were tough, but overall it went really well and we had so much fun and we saw cool different campsites and in different places that we wouldn't have gone to, you know, and then um, we rented a house in New Mexico, which is where we ended up meeting up with her and her mom drove her up to us and it was just a really incredible time to spend together. It was not nearly long enough and it was the hardest goodbye we've ever had with her because of how short it was. And also just not knowing like, when are we going to be able to see her again, but just really awesome memories overall. So, so thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, Please take a moment to go on iTunes and 
rate and review us. That's a huge help for the podcast. It makes us look legitimate. It gets us more listeners and subscribe to it so that you don't miss an episode. And the most helpful, share us with a friend. If you're like, wow, this is really fun to listen to. I know someone who might be interested. Send us along their way. That's how we grow as a new small podcast. And if you're a new listener, which I know we have a number of new listeners this summer because I've been watching the numbers go up and up and up as we've taken this time off. Welcome. Thank you for checking us out. Go back and listen to all the season one episodes. This is really a podcast that's going to build on things we've talked about before. So it's it's awesome if you could listen to all the episodes and then you kind of have the background of what we're talking about. And I'm trying to do, I'm rethinking how I'm doing things and I'm trying to do like a shorter format so that we can do more episodes and not have to take breaks. So I'm kind of like thinking of transitioning from the season format where we do a season and then we take a break. And instead I'm doing like shorter episodes so we can record more at once and kind of batch and then take time off that way. So if you feel like um, things are changing a little bit from season one, they are. I'm really excited. We have a lot of cool topics that I'm really looking forward to getting into, but let's get into our topic for today. So today's topic is how do you prefer to make decisions? And this is the thinking versus the feeling preference pair in Myers-Briggs. And today we're going to go over how to determine whether you prefer thinking or feeling in Myers-Briggs. And the next episode, I think we're going to go over how to navigate that with your spouse or parenting partner, like how that can end up in disagreements and how to maybe kind of navigate those disagreements Um, And again, this is how you prefer to make decisions. And if you haven't been like a regular listener, maybe go back and listen to episode two. That's where we, we go into a discussion of what the preferences mean. What does it mean to prefer one or the other? And we talk about handedness. And so I kind of like to compare the preference pairs to being like left-handed or right-handed. You prefer introversion or extroversion. You prefer your left hand or your right hand. We can use both, but there's one that's stronger and more natural. And then there's one that's more tiresome and frustrating to use. I think for, I think feeling, thinking versus feeling, especially in adults, is really the center of conflict, um, even more than um, E versus I's. And I think knowing if you're thinking or feeling and how you process and how the other person process can be such a gift to keep arguments between you and your partner or your spouse from escalating. It just gives you maybe a little more insight, I think, more than any other of the of the Myers-Briggs pairs. Yeah. And I think especially like in your relationship and in my relationship, we have that thinking versus feeling difference in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is, it is probably the one that causes the most conflict. Uh, is the thinking versus the feeling because it's just a different way of making decisions and we don't even realize we're doing it that way. And so this is really helpful to like kind of reflect and be like, oh, this is why I'm I'm thinking of this differently than my significant other is. And then if you're curious about thinking versus feeling in your kids, we already discussed that in episodes nine and 10. So check back there for those. So an overview of thinking versus feeling, feeling, people who prefer feeling tend to like to step into the situation And consider the feelings and values of the self or of others when they're making decisions. People prefer thinking, prefer to step out of the situation because they feel like all that kind of stuff gets in the way and muddies up the water of making a good decision. And so they consider only the objective logical data associated with it. And again, we can all do both of these things. They're both equally valid ways of coming to conclusions. And a lot of times 
we become adept as adults at using both of them because there's data involving people's feelings that is important and there's data that's not that's also important but one of them feels more comfortable and natural to us and that's what we're really looking for when we're honing in on this was this a hard one for you to figure out for yourself em i think that i've always been uh very sensitive and very like feelings driven but you know as i've gotten older i think i'm a good mix but definitely the feeler is is in the driver's seat how about you it was hard for me to identify as a feeler uh i think because of the way that i grew up thinking of which one was better like i always thought Uh, yeah whether because of my parents or society around me or whatever it was i grew up with this idea that acting based on your feelings or even having feelings and being sensitive was a bad thing. And that being using the thinking approach was the good way to be. And as a Enneagram one, we have that inner desire to be good. Mm -hmm. And so I think I convinced myself that I was a thinker because that was the quote unquote good way to be. Um, And it took me some self-reflection to realize that I'm a feeler. And now that I know that I'm like, Oh my God, (laughs) how did I ever think that I was a thinker? Uh, but yeah, that that was a journey for me. Well, I mean, yeah, our society is so patriarchal and men tend, um, not all, but in on the thinking side. And when you think about how women have been typecast in a way of, you know, the thinking of women being put away for being hysterical wasn't even that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are just really ingrained ingrained i was gonna say invisible strings but i think that's just taylor swift's new album in my mind <laughs> but yeah these like it's just it's it's there with it's just in the ethos or yeah for sure and i think this can be even harder on the male side to if you're a feeler to mm-hmm. be in tune with that because it's so ingrained into our boys and our men that to, to leave feelings out of things so i'm gonna go over kind of the different sides of whether you prefer thinking or whether you prefer feeling And I got this particular list from a book called Just Your Type by the Teagers. They're really amazing. They do a lot of great Myers-Briggs books. This one in particular is about relationships. So thinking adults or parents that tend to value objective logic and analysis. And for them, the feelings get in the way of being able to do this. They feel like that money's up the waters. Whereas feeling parents or adults value sensitivity and empathy. And so you might be saying, I value both of these. And maybe that's true. And you've come to a place where you are kind of balancing these out and you use both in your decision making. But if you think about like trying to make a decision without one of these, which one hurts more? <laughs> like to me, mm-hmm. to take out the sensitivity and the empathy would be much more painful for me than to take out the objective logic and analysis. Uh, yeah, exactly. Which one is more painful to remove from the equation? Yeah. For me, that would definitely be the feelings where the thinking is like sprinkles, but like my cupcake is definitely feeling. (laughs) That sounds really weird. (laughs) So thinking adults tend to believe it's better to be truthful than tactful. So they value truth over tact, whereas feeling is going to value the tactful over the truthful. So when you're, you know, in a conversation with people, what's, what's more important to you when you're communicating with them to be tactful or truthful? And then thinking adults tend to be more fair and consistent in the way that they apply one standard to everything, right? And kind of keep that consistent. Whereas for feeling parents, they like harmony 
more than fairness and consistency and they look more for and and accept more extenuating circumstances so they see every person and situation as unique and are more comfortable and value kind of changing up the standards for extenuating circumstances. Every time um, I feel like we could do an entire episode where I relate things back to Taylor Swift episode, uh, Taylor Swift songs, <laughs> but her, her, she has this one, and this is not for the podcast, but where she says, um, so casually cruel in the name of being honest. And I always think of, that's what I always think of when I think of a thinker that's like so dedicated <laughs> to that. That's perfect for the podcast. I like when you make these strange <laughs> comparisons to things. <laughs> I like the little Taylor Swift the little picture uh, into what's going on inside of M's brain. Totally. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So she, it's like this breakup she has with like Jake Gyllenhaal, right? And it's like her best song is all too well. And she's like, "You call me up to break me like a promise, so casually cruel in the name of being honest." Brilliant. But it always reminds me of a of a thinker that's like an extreme thinker. <laughs> So thinking. Sandra, I just heard Bill Burr's rant saying how women should be supporting female athletes and not real housewives who just yell at each other. That's ridiculous. Real housewives is a sport. Join us on From the Bleachers, where we analyze the strategy and gameplay that our favorite reality stars use to earn additional seasons of play and social media fame. And if you're lucky, Sandra will pull out her apology play rubric so you can all see what an easy grader I am. I'm sorry, Mandy, but if you think Monica's apology to Heather on Salt Lake City deserved anything over a 2.5, you're delusional. (laughs) (laughs) Whether we're breaking down confrontation play, relishing the bravo, bravo, bravo moments, or awarding a tardy for the party, we are the only place you'll find in-depth analysis of the plays that your favorite housewives are making on our screens. From the Bleachers, a Real Housewives game analysis is available everywhere podcasts live. People tend to be, when it comes to motivation, thinking people tend to be motivated by achievement whereas feeling tend to be motivated by feeling appreciated and being appreciated by others for what they've done. Thinking people like to compete and win, whereas feeling people like to cooperate and create consensus. Oh, I don't like to do that. I, I, I As we've discussed, I very much enjoy winning. <laughs> well, maybe you're using your thinking side when we do that. Yeah, I am like incredibly competitive, but only with myself, not with others. <laughs> But like, I, I don't even like to, I don't even like to lose a board game. So, <laughs> well, you, you, I don't know, whenever we've had like friendly competitive things, you never seem to get like, like when Eric gets competitive, it's like, it's like, I don't want to play with him anymore. Like he just has a, a bad attitude. In fact, we were having this issue at the, at the house in New Mexico because there was, like, <laughs> there was this one game. It's like a, it's like, sorry, but it's a sorry card game and you have to like hit this thing and it tells you how many cards you have to draw and he kept getting like eight or nine cards and you just all of a sudden had this bad attitude and like like we didn't even want we were like we don't even want to play with you anymore this is like not fun sean sean um won't play board games with me anymore but we're working back toward i've really done some some growing some (laughs) behavior modifications um because i love to play board games like it's so fun for me like i could I, i love it 
And he says, I suck all the fun out of it. (laughs) So thinking people easily see flaws and they can be quite critical, whereas the feeling side tend to be more people pleasers and um, express appreciation for others um, and maybe tend to focus on the positive first before the negative. And then lastly, this is not from the book, but um, thinking parents are not easily butthurt, whereas (laughs) uh, feeling (laughs) people tend to take things more personally and have a more difficult time with criticism. I wonder if that's where your need to win comes from, is that it's like a criticism on yourself if you lose. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I actually accept criticism very well. Really? I know I'm a feeler, but this yes, list makes me I know feel you like are I'm too. <laughs> yeah, this one can be really hard. And especially kind of the next thing I wanted to go over is where you might get tripped up when you're trying to decide for yourself. And I have noticed that FPs, introverted feelers, so that would be you as an INFP, have a harder time going through this typing process and identifying as feeling because I think a lot of times the lists are more a li- more about FJs, which mm. is a different way of using your of using your feeling. And part of that is because, so there's two different types of feeling, right? And there's also two different types of thinking. And we've gone over this a couple times, but there's the introverted feeling and there's extroverted feeling. And this doesn't have to do with whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. It actually has to do with whether you're a judger or a perceiver. And people who use introverted feeling, they tend to be more oriented towards the individual and the personal, and they have like an internal set of values, likes, dislikes that they are using when they make decisions. People who use extroverted feeling are oriented towards the collective good of others and have more of like an external set of guidelines that they're following when they're making decisions. And people who have that introverted feeling, like the, the FP, like you, um, tend to be more inward with their emotions and their processing. And so it can be harder to relate sometimes to that feeling list. Um, and they might... And I've definitely, I mean, I that makes sense. I would say with almost every introverted feeler that I've done typing with, there's been a difficulty here. And a lot of times it's, I get an introverted feeling vibe from them. And so I'm like, they're choosing thinking and I'm like, I don't know. And so I, we have to get in closer with that. Yeah. I think that's why those computer tests don't necessarily work. Like, <laughs> I mean, they definitely are a good starting point in your guide, but right. it, it is more nuanced than that. Yeah. It's a lot more nuanced than the assessments. And we go into that a lot. Uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be, we have an episode coming up where I actually have a, a set of parents that I went through typing with that are going to come on the podcast and talk about that experience. And both of them had a difficult time choosing between thinking and feeling. And we go a lot into a lot into that. And both of them talk a lot about their frustrations with doing assessments. <laughs> so so another thing that can trip you up when you're choosing between thinking or feeling or any of the other preferences is trying to sort out which one is your natural inclination versus which one you have either been taught to value or have taught yourself to value and have worked really hard at making a central part of how you do things. So um, how are you raised? Like, take that question in your mind. Like, what was your household like? Were you taught that you need to really care for other people's feelings and, you know, let your sensitivity out? Or were you taught that that is to be held in and that, you know, objective logic is the way to go? Because that it might be opposite from what your inclination is and you may not be in touch with kind of your more natural way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to look into, you know, your religious upbringing. That's 
pretty huge, especially if you were raised like I was raised, where um, you really kind of are men, it was men are in charge and um, kind of like a headship and the leader of the household and women are more, um, you know, I don't want to say subservient. I think that's kind of strong, but definitely kind of like that keep sweet, you know, support your husband. So yeah, unraveling a lot of that is really connected into it. It's kind of like really relating to yourself and like what feels natural to you, not necessarily like what you're told or, but yeah. And that's hard to do. It's really hard to do. Some people can get really stumped up between letters because of that, because they've been operating their whole life one way and perceiving themselves in that way and not realizing that there's a more natural way that would be less frustrating for them. And then another thing that can trip people up is how you are in different places, right? So like, what do you use when you're at work versus when you're at home with your kids versus when you're with your friends versus when you're alone making decisions on your own? Um, and a lot of people can find that, you know, in the work environment, a thinking approach is much more valued. And then they may put that head on at work. And then at home with the kids, they have a value of, you know, like I know you and I like to parent very much with like empathy first and understanding the child. Mm-hmm. And that's more of a feeling approach. And so we put that hat on when we're at home. Well, which one is our more natural hat? You know, <laughs> we may have mm-hmm. become good at both. But which one is the more natural, the less exhausting? That's what you were, you're trying to get at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- yeah, that's such a better way to put it. Like for me, like the empathy is so much, it comes more, so much more naturally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you look at both of us, we both came from big firms. Uh, that was not, not, not a, a, something that was valued. Uh, oh, like gosh, no. <laughs> like, um, can you imagine, like, being at, a, like, a big firm or, like, um, I don't know if – I think we talked about uh, the, that old, old, old Twitter account, like, Goldman Sachs Elevator or something, like, you, like which was hilarious. Um, and it was just this guy that was, like, tweeting stuff that he overheard in the Goldman Sachs Elevator, <laughs> which I think awesome. it turned out just to be, like, someone's experience they had left for a firm a long time ago. But um, anyway, it was, like, really – it was really, really funny, but yeah, it, it just the perfect example how in that environment, yeah, it's not like, and how are you feeling today? No. And like, let's look at this from a really holistic point of view, you know? Yeah. Um, and if you let that side of yourself show, then you're seen as weak and not, you know, you're not going to get the, the opportunities that your coworkers are getting and whatever else. And I think that's part of what I found so um, exhausting, exhausting and frustrating with my last, last career. I felt like I was really effective in the role and could do that really well. And I actually thinking back and it took me a while to see this value in, in how I approached the work that I did is that I had to work a lot with, with getting things from people that I needed. And, um, as an auditor, people were, are very uncomfortable with you, right? When you walk into the room, right? Like they don't want to be caught in something. They feel like you're here to get them in trouble or like you're, you know, even if you, it's like when you're walking out a store through the metal detectors, even if you haven't stolen anything, you're still kind of like, hold your breath. Like, look. I know, why is that? I'm like, I know I didn't steal anything, but why am I uncomfortable? Yeah, like when you walk out without having bought anything, you know, and you're like, I didn't didn't steal anything. You like, hold your breath, like look natural. Um, that same like (laughs) totally that's like that that's how people get as soon as an auditor walks into their office right they have that feeling of like act natural you didn't do anything wrong even if they didn't and I had this ability to set people at ease and that 
is, you know, something that a feeling person can bring into mm-hmm. the corporate world is like, it's actually good to be able to make connections with people and set people at ease and like, and, and really get like working, good working relationships with people. And a lot of times that's not, you know, what's valued, but. I totally agree. I think it should be valued far more than it is. It certainly isn't, but it, it has so much. I mean, that's why Brene Brown is so successful in corporations mm-hmm. because those are really important skills. Yeah. Plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) And so then I went through the, I went really quickly into the two different types of feeling, but there's also two different types of thinking and the the extroverted thinker, which remember, this is not whether you're extroverted or introverted, you can be an introvert and use extroverted thinking. It's actually the TJs value external standards of logic, whereas your introverted thinker or your TPs tend to value internal standards of logic. And so sometimes this can get a little tricky if you're an introverted thinker a lot of times the lists of like traits can sound more like the extroverted thinking side or vice versa and so that can trip you up a little bit too and so just recognizing that there are different types of thinkers and they they don't all look the same yeah so you know as an if you prefer introverted thinking maybe you might depending on how you were raised and whatnot you might see yourself as uh being a little more open-minded than someone who uses extroverted thinking and, and like less, you know, adhering to the rules. And so you might be confused, like, why am I not fitting in with these descriptions of thinkers? Um, and so that's another thing to kind of look for. Well, it's like a good example. Um, I feel like that's kind of like a hard concept to wrap, wrap your brain around. It is a really hard one. Maybe someone is, is legalistic the right word to describe an extroverted thinking person? Yeah, you could say that. Um, It's like, it's hard because it's hard to separate sometimes from the N or the S too. But would they be in the capital or in the district if they were on Hunger Games? They would for sure be in the capital, right? And the like. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking like people who like follow the rules and like that's how it is versus people in the district that are like, I'm still like thinking, but like, yeah, for sure. You know. Yes, yes. That's a really good <laughs> metaphor. Thank you. Um, also, like introverted thinkers tend to be on the more skeptical side. So you might even be more likely to be a conspiracy theorist if you're an introverted thinker. I'm not oh, saying really? I'm not saying that all introverted thinkers are conspiracy theorists, but so you could be like a Katniss Everdeen, or you could be that weird person on the internet that people are unfollowing. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, but yeah, they tend to be more um, suspicious external standards that have been told to them. They're like, you know, more critical of that. Whereas the extroverted thinker relies on those to understand how the world works and what they should be doing. So do you have, what do you think? Do you think you have a preference for thinking or feeling? This is to the audience. Let us know. Um, or are you having a hard time determining? Send us any questions you have. Our email yeah, is that would be great. familypersonalitiespod at gmail.com. And next episode, we're going to talk about how to navigate the thinking versus feeling preference in your parenting relationship. And also upcoming, um, I actually already recorded the episodes this morning, is a collaboration with another podcast that used to be called Glimmering and they're changing the name and they haven't really decided what it is, but I don't, anyway, <laughs> they're great. It's another couple that live here in in Bend and um, I just found out M actually knows her too. Her name's Laura and Laura and Leslie, they are great. They are so incredibly open 
about what it's like to be an INFP, INFJ couple, which is what they are. Mom is INFJ and dad is INFP. And they talk about what it was like to go through the typing process. So there's a lot of talk about the thinking versus feeling preference because both of them struggled with that. And then um, they go into what it's like to be in an INFP, INFJ relationship. And uh, it's great. It's like they really gave a picture into their marriage that's like so relatable. Like they, we did almost an entire episode on an argument they had together about ordering pizza. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. I feel like I am excited for it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm pumped. Yeah. So stay tuned. And then please email us if you have any ideas of what you'd like to hear on the podcast. I'm still kind of like figuring out what all the next few episodes are going to be like. I'd love to hear what you want to what you want to hear discussed. I know there's a lot of interest in our Enneagram episodes that we did um, in the first season. And I'm not an Enneagram expert, but I'd love to have another one back on the podcast like we did before. So if there's something specific you want to hear about Enneagram, let us know about that. And um, yeah, that's it. Welcome back. Rate, review, subscribe, share. Uh, really share us with your friends. That's the best way for us to grow. Our email is familypersonalitiespod at gmail.com. Instagram is familypersonalities. Facebook is FAM personalities. And the website is familypersonalities.com. Thank you for listening. That's it for our show this week. We would like to apologize to our children, our parents, our spouses, and anyone else we may have lovingly thrown under the bus this episode. Thank you for listening and catch us next time on the Family Personalities Podcast.